Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. While you're turning there, I'll, I'll give you the text of what is happening here. Saul of Tarsus is arresting Christians, men, women, and children, having them put in prison. Some of them are even being killed. And he believes he's doing it in the name of God. He believes he's doing the right thing. But on the road to Damascus, he is knocked down by a bright light. He falls to the ground and he cannot see, but he has a conversation with Jesus. And after that conversation, this is what takes place in Acts chapter 9 and verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And he said to him in the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and he hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight." And today I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject. At the intersection of Jesus and I. At the intersection of Jesus and I. God bless you. You may be seated. Ananias does not want to meet Saul. He's afraid of him. He's intimidated by him. This is one of the tactics of the enemy, intimidation. Does anybody intimidate you? Does anybody bring fear to you? Is there anybody you're uncomfortable with? Do you think that they may be out to hurt you or to discourage you? Those are the kind of people you want to stay away from. Well, Ananias was no different. Saul had a reputation, and he did not want to go to Saul. But he did not want to disappoint the Lord either. So the Lord used his GPS. And he said, I want you to go to a street called Straight. Aren't you glad we serve a straight God? Our God is straight. Straight is the gate, narrow is the path, few there be that find it. But God is always straight. He can even make the crooked straight. Isn't that what the scripture says? And so he says, Ananias, I want you to go to the street called Straight, and there you are to stop when you get to the house of a man named Judas. That is an intersection for Ananias, Straight and Judas. I want to show you something that God does that maybe you're not aware of. God is a multitasker. Our God is so big that he fills, he doesn't just create, he fills the universe. Heaven is his throne, wherever that is. And the earth is his footstool. That means he covers all in between. 
That's how big our God is. And our God is a multitasker in that he works on several people at the same time and brings them to the same intersection. Let me give you an example. One day Peter is, is talking with Jesus and he said, you know, the, the tax collector wants us to pay our taxes and, and you and I are supposed to pay and we don't have any money. So Peter is coming to Jesus with a need. And this is what Jesus says. He said, I want you to go fishing right now, take your pole and throw it in the water and the first fish that you catch will have a coin in his mouth and take the coin out of his mouth and pay the taxes for both of us. What was he doing? He talks to this carp and says, scour the bottom until you find a coin, put it in your mouth, but don't swallow it and keep it there. And the fish does it. And the Lord, and Peter goes to the stream or the lake or wherever, throws his line and catches the fish and wouldn't you know it, God had created an intersection and he brought the need and he supplied the need at the location that he sent Peter to. He does it all the time. We don't realize, let me give you another example. One day Jesus is gonna go into Jerusalem. And so he says to the disciples, go into town, grab a colt and a donkey and bring them to me. And they laugh at him. We're gonna walk up to a colt and a donkey and start to walk off with it and they're gonna say, well, are you gonna pay for this or, or what do you think you're doing? Right. And the Lord said, all you need to do is tell them that the Lord needs it and they'll release it to you. What was he doing? He was sending the disciples on a mission and he prepared the heart of a man that owned a donkey and a colt and the password was, the Lord needs it. And they get it. Same thing with an upper room. Now, now let me bring this home to you even in salvation. Let me show you how this works. The Jews believe that no Gentiles can be saved. Not possible. Only the Jews can be saved. Until one day, God comes to a man by the name of Cornelius and he appears to him in a vision and he speaks to him and when he's done, now notice this, the Lord never preached salvation to Cornelius. You know why? Because the Lord does not preach salvation. That's on us. The angels that appear, he took on the form of an angel in several cases. The angels do not preach the gospel. An angel cannot lead you to salvation. Why? Because that falls on us. So always remember, if somebody says, well, the Lord appeared to me one night in a dream and he told me this and that and it's contrary to the word of God, that wasn't God. Amen. That was indigestion <laughs> or an evil spirit because the angels do not preach the gospel and even Jesus himself, when he appeared to people, would not do it. He wouldn't do it with Saul and he won't do it with you. That's on us. Just a little side note.
So, he says, all right, here's what I want you to do, Cornelius. You send men to Joppa. You go to, that's the name of the city. You go to Simon's house. Simon the Tanner. What is he doing? He's using the GPS again. He's saying there's an intersection. And I want your servants to go there and fetch Peter. He'll tell you what you ought us to do. Okay, with me? Now at the same time, once that takes place, these three guys take off and they're headed for Simon's house. Peter's up on a rooftop and he has this vision and these unclean beasts are lowered in the sheet and and he's not supposed to have anything to do with unclean beasts. They represent the Gentiles, okay? And he shares with them this vision and he says, take, slay, and eat, Peter won't do it. Finally, the Lord convinces him that that which God has cleansed, boy, this is a great message, but I can't preach it today. That which God has cleansed, do not ever call that common or unclean again. That's us, folks. We're the common, we're the unclean, but now we are washed. Now we are sanctified. Now we are justified by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So the common or the unclean can be saved. And he doesn't understand all of this. And and Peter's a little slow sometimes. He's aggressive, but he's a little slow to get the message. So these guys are pounding on his door. And the Lord speaks to him one more time and he says, and by the way, three men are standing at your door. I don't want you to doubt anything. I want you to go where they tell you to go. You see what God is doing? He's multitasking. He's working with Peter over here. He's working with Cornelius over there. I want you to know that no matter where you are and no matter what your situation is, God is multitasking in several situations. It might take a while, but the message is on its way. God is speaking to people and he's changing situations even while we're in the house of God. You say, well, I haven't seen it, and God should be able to do it instantly. God's got a real big problem. It's called free will. He gave it to us, and we get in his way, and we can say no if we want to. But he's working, and if God can't use me, then he'll use somebody else. But God will get the job done in his multitasking and bringing people to an intersection. He brings them to an intersection, the intersection of Jesus and I. Now we still today talk about intersections. If you were to invite somebody to church and they said, well, where's abundant life? You'd probably say something like this. Well, you know, do you know where I-94 is? Yeah? Well, you take I-94 and you get off on Sawyer Road and you head south on Sawyer Road till you get almost to Highway 18. And it's at the intersection of Highway 18 and Sawyer. That's how you'd tell them to get there, right? If you wanted to go to Pick and Save, you'd do the same thing. You'd say, well, Pick and Save, that's at 83 and 18. It's all about intersections, folk. It familiarizes us with where we want to go. And it brings us to the place 
that God intends for us to be. I, I, I know I'm laying a foundation here, but you gotta get this before we can go any further. John 14, verse number five. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. Watch what he says to him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And it, furthermore, if you'd have known me, you'd have known my Father also. And henceforth you know him and you have seen him. Watch this. He said he was three things, the way, the truth, and the life. He did not say he was the life, the truth, and the way. Because he was speaking in chronological order. People are confused and lost today because they don't know the way. The way. Even the scripture says, this is the way walk ye in it. When people criticize the Christians, they, they came across those that walked that way. They referred to them as the way. If you're lost, you need to find your way. And Jesus said, I am the way. And the way leads you to the truth. And the truth leads you to life. And Jesus is the answer for the way. The truth and the life. And you're not gonna get there without him. Now I wanna share this with you today. I wanna share something with you. I'm still laying my foundation because you gotta get this. We have a highway system, not only in our state, but in our country. We have um, county roads. This is a county road right here. It's called Highway P. They usually use numerical terms when they speak of county roads. State roads, such as Highway 67, which is over there, are numbered, determine, determined by whether they're, they're going north and south or east and west. Now here's a little information for you. If the, if the highway is going north and south, it will be an odd number. A one, three, five, seven, or nine at the end of it. That's why, because Highway 67 goes north and south, it has to be an odd number. I-94 goes east and west, so it has to be an even number. So you learned something today. That's why Highway 80, you know, the, take a look at it when you get home. The even numbers go east and west, the odd numbers go north and south. That is, and, and that is to help you to find your way and know at the same time you're either going north and south or east and west, okay? But what we do is we meet at intersections to find where we wanna go. So I'm playing on words here a little bit. When Jesus and I connected, it was Jesus and I-22. I was 22 years old. So I was 22, that's I-22, okay? 
I don't know what age you were. I don't know what age you are. But if you're here today, you are at the intersection of Jesus and I. And God is going to speak to you today and share things with you that only he can share because he brought you to this intersection. No man comes to God except the spirit of God draws him. You're here to, well, the reason I'm here today is because my friend invited me. That was one of the dots that God was using. It was God, they're just a dot. They invited you, but it was the spirit of God that drew, you know, I really should go to church today. Maybe God does have something he wants to say to me. Maybe God can help me with my problems. What is he doing? He's bringing you to an intersection. He's bringing you to a place where you can collide, where you can meet with him, where he's got something he wants to say to you. And when we come to God, we come to God at the cross. Let me share this with you. See that cross there? Notice that it's up and down in one direction. This is me, I know you gotta put up with my corny ideas, but the upper part represents God coming from heaven down to earth to meet us and our need. It's the vertical. And when we sinned, and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, we cross the vertical. We become the horizontal of the cross. He's the vertical. We crossed him with our horizontal sins. Contrary to the direction that he gave us from heaven to earth. Therefore, Jesus died on a cross. I no longer want to cross God. I don't know about you. But you don't want to go crossways of God. And the cross is the first place that we approach him because the cross is at the intersection of salvation. Jesus at I-22 at an altar, looking at a cross. And he covered that cross with his body and his blood for my sins. We better keep preaching the cross. We better keep preaching the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You better have a cross in your life. There better be an intersection in your life. And Jesus came to that intersection that we call the cross and gave his life for us. The intersection of Jesus and I. Acts 2 and 36 says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, 
They were pricked in their heart. Why? Because God had brought them to that very place to experience the first outpouring of his spirit and used a man to preach the gospel. And the spirit of God pricked their hearts. Do you remember that? Do you remember that intersection in your life? When you first came to God and began to feel guilty about your sins and iniquities, the things you'd said and done, the hurt that you'd caused others, do you remember that? That's conviction. The Spirit of God should convict us. I'm gonna preach this. When we were first born, we were born with a conscience. You didn't, we didn't even know the Bible and we knew certain things were wrong. Lying and stealing and cursing. We didn't need the scripture to tell us that. God gave us a conscience for that. The word confirmed our conscience. But when we received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, our conscience, our spirit was amplified with conviction. You better hope that you never, ever don't feel bad when you do wrong. You ought to be thankful when you're tempted to do wrong or say something that there's a check in your spirit. Something comes over you and you know you better be careful here. You better back away from this. You better keep your mouth shut. You better leave the area. What is that? That's the spirit of God. That's conviction. That's a warning from God through his spirit to you. And if you ever get to a point where you don't feel that anymore, then you're in dangerous ground. But when you feel it, recognize it that it's conviction. It is not condemnation. Condemnation is what the devil uses. Conviction is what the spirit uses. Conviction warns you and gets you to turn from evil. But condemnation only tries to drag you down and tell you how worthless you are, how hopeless you are, how much you are hated by God. How you can't be saved, how you can't be redeemed. How futile your efforts are to try and do what's right. That's condemnation. That's from the enemy. And we need to try the spirits, whether they be of God, and know the difference. I know you're thinking, that's why you're not saying amen. So they were pricked in their heart, and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do at the intersection of Jesus and I? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is how the cross gets applied to your life. This is how your sins can be washed away by being baptized in Jesus' name, immersed in water under the only saving name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This is the intersection of Jesus and I. Jesus and I. And then he promised that you would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I died at the altar of repentance and Jesus became my Lord. 
I was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of my sins, and Jesus became my Savior. I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues as the Spirit of God moved on me, and I had a God and a guide in my life because I met him at the intersection of Jesus and I, and now I'm living in his mercy and saved by his grace. Aren't you glad for the intersection of Jesus and I? Jesus and I. But let me take you to another intersection today. Let me take you to the intersection of eternity. The intersection of eternity. We are this close to the coming of the Lord, folks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share some things with you today. I'm speaking only for Rick Kiley, okay? I cannot even watch a, a full newscast anymore. I can't. It makes me sick to my stomach to see what people are doing to one another and the way they talk about one another. I never imagined that people could be so cruel as they are. It's that bad. And we are so close to the coming of the Lord. Now listen carefully, because this is a word from God for you today, that Satan is unleashing everything he has on the church. Everything he's got. When he lost you, he was angry. And he's gonna do everything he can to get you back. If he can offer you discouragement, and hardship, if he can play with your mind, he will. I want you to know something. I I remember I was in a worship service one time and the worship leader was named Sonny and Sonny stood up and he said, you know, and he raised his big old right arm in the air and he said, you know what? God has been so good to me that if he never gives me another blessing, If I never feel his presence ever again in my life, it will have been enough for me to finish this race. He's done enough for me. Uh, I'm glad you can say that, but I'm glad you don't have to live that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But let me ask you this, church. What if you get sick and you die, will you still serve him? What if you lose your job and your money? Will you still serve him? What if your friends betray you and forsake you? Will you still serve him? Are we just serving him because of the loaves and the fishes? Jesus brought that up to the disciples one time. He said, some of these people, they're just following me around for loaves and fishes. They want to see miracles. They want provision. And if those things are the reason that we're serving God, we're going to find out. Because it's going to get worse. I wish I could tell you it's going to get better. But it's going to get worse. Because the enemy is turning up the heat. 
But I'm going to tell you this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he. He is with us. He will not forsake us. And he's greater than our enemies. He's greater than our foes. He's greater than our problems. He's greater than our fears. He is an ever-present help in a time of need. And I've got another encouraging word for you. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. He did not say it would be equal. He said it would be greater. So go ahead, Satan. Bring it, that's right, bring it on. Because God's gonna bring that much more on us. Our God, I know I've been negative here a little bit. It was to warn you, okay? Our God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Our God will never leave us nor forsake us. No, not to the end of the world. Lo, I am with you always. Always. So we've got a hope. I don't know how the world's going to deal with it. But I'm sure glad to be a, one of the chi- a child of the king. I'm sure glad to be one of his kids and to have these promises on my life. Let me share a few of these promises with you. I'm talking about the rapture. And listen, it is not time to waver or to wander. It is time to be faithful and to be diligent and to turn up our heat. It is time to be evangelistic. It is time to be a servant. It is time to be a prayer warrior. It is time to be an intercessor. It is time to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's what time it is. We better turn it up. Don't put this baby on cruise control and hope you make it. Listen to the promise. Romans chapter eight, verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, then he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. We're close to the rapture. Thank God that we've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and that we're doing our best to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh because it's that spirit that's gonna take us out of here. 1 Corinthians 15 and 51, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, that means die. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. For in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the trumpet will sound. Picture this, folks. This is next on God's agenda. The trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. We are 164th of a second from the intersection of eternity. That's how quick your eye can blink. 164th of a second. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 
just that fast. First Thessalonians 4 and 16, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, isn't that comforting? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Oh, it's really getting bad. Oh, we're really getting close. Anybody want to stay if Jesus comes to take us out? Not me. Well, you know, Brother Kylie, I'd really like to see the Super Bowl today. Not if the rapture takes place. And I don't care if Green Bay was playing in the Super Bowl. If he wants to come and take the church today, I don't care about the Super Bowl. I care about being with him and being with him for eternity. That is what matters. I want to meet Jesus at the intersection of eternity. Because if I don't meet him at the intersection of eternity, if, I, if I've missed the intersection of salvation, there's only one intersection left. And it is the intersection of judgment. Hebrews 9 and 27 says, it is appointed unto a man once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. But everybody's gonna die. How can the mortal put on immortality if he doesn't die between here and eternity? It's just that fast and it's over. But it is appointed unto a man once to die and after that the judgment. First Peter chapter four and verse 17, talking about judgment now. The time is come, First Peter four seventeen, that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begins at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Now I told you it's tough. And I told you the enemy's unleashing everything he has against us. But God is also bringing judgment to the world. And he starts at his own house. I'm so glad to know that, that God can judge me on this side of eternity rather than on the other side of eternity. I'd rather have the conviction. <laughs> I'd rather feel bad and have the opportunity to repent and fall on my knees and tell God how sorry I am on this side than to face him in judgment where there is no mercy, where there is no grace. But the church is going through a judgment. Things are happening in the church that should alarm us. But we're gonna get it fixed on this side. We're gonna get it right on this side. 
It begins at the house of God. What are we gonna be judged by? That's a fair question. How would God judge us? John 12 and 48 said, Jesus said, he that rejected me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. The Bible that you brought to church today is the textbook of life. It is the manual on how to live. It is the love story of God toward you. But it is also the law and the word that God expects us to obey. And if we don't, it will be the word that judges us, not the people. The word that judges us. Revelations 20 and 11, I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it from hence the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. What books do you think he's talking about here? If we compare John 12 and 48, and the writer of Revelation is also John, and he said he opens up the books, did you know that the Bible you hold in your hands is really 66 books? 66 books. Isn't it good to know that God's giving us an open book test every day? How many of you remember going to school and you hated tests, right? But when they said, you know what, we're gonna give you a test today, and if you're familiar with the material, you'll be able to find the answers because we're gonna give an open book test. We got an open book test. 66 books. The sea gave up the dead which were in. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. They were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hmm, the lake of fire. I'm glad for the word of God. Folks, we better fall in love with the word of God. What does God say? Not what, is, not, was, not what do people say. What does God say about this? I conclude with this. 1 Timothy chapter 2. There is one God. This is verse 5 and 6. 1 Timothy 2. There is one God. One mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. I'm gonna give you a little hint on what I'm gonna preach about next week. I'm gonna preach about which side of the cross are you on. Jesus put himself, 
He allowed himself to be put on that cross as a ransom for our sins. We better love the cross. We better love the cross. Let's stand together. One day a man got in trouble with the law. He committed a terrible crime. But the advantage that the man had was that he was wealthy, had a lot of money, could hire the best attorney. So he found the best attorney that he could find because he had unlimited funds and he hired him. I said, I need you to represent me in this case. Will you do it? I'll give you an open checkbook. And the attorney said, yes, I will represent you. And once they had an agreement in place, he said, now I have to tell you this. I'm guilty of this crime. I did it. And your job is to get me off. Well, the attorney was a good attorney and since you can't deny privilege of what was said, he didn't tell anybody. But he went to court and he represented that man and he got him off and he was free. He bought his way out. But several years later, he got in trouble again. Another major crime committed. He still had his wealth, and so he went to look for the same attorney, but he couldn't find him. So he hired the best attorney he could, went to court, went through the same process. But when he stood in that courtroom and he looked at the judge, it was the man that had previously been his attorney. And he knew that that judge knew he'd committed this crime before, before the case ever began. What's the purpose of this illustration? Jesus can be your attorney or he can be your judge. You decide. But know this, he always knows. I I just got to share this with you. Man does not always know. Man does not always have all the facts. They don't get it right and they don't always make perfect decisions. Sometimes they're wrong. It is not so with God. God knows all things. Nothing escapes his attention. So what do you want? A lawyer or a judge? I'll take one man, Christ Jesus, as my mediator between me and my sins, between a holy God and sinful man. Meet Jesus at the intersections of Jesus and I for your eternity, for your salvation, so that you won't have to meet him at the intersection of judgment. Jesus, thank you for your great love, your great sacrifice, your care and your concern for everyone that's in this auditorium. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, 
please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.